Come to the rap place because it's truer crime. My name is Easy E, and I'm here with my co-host, curly-haired Joe Wildman. Please don't add the curly to my name. I'm not a fan of that. Just kidding. I don't care. Come what you want. I think it's good. I think it's it's something I'm jealous of. I know a lot of people that get perms are also very jealous of it as well. As I've said multiple times, I don't know exactly what would lead anybody to desire the hair that I have, but apparently there are people out there that do, and. Uh, that's fresh. I mean, it looks good. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, they pay, they, people pay to have your hair, Joe. Uh, okay. Well, let's see here. Um, enough about my hair. I could talk about it all day, but I know the audience don't want to hear about it all day. Some might. Okay. I'm just saying. I feel certain ways about that. Uh, let's see. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a crime today. And uh, as you know, me and Easy e we rotate off week in and week out. He covered last week with the French dude. And now we're back to Joe. So this week, I'm going to take you back, way back, to 1921 and Tulsa, Oklahoma. Would you like some sound effects for going way back in the time? Uh, yeah, man, do it. <sighs> okay. That sounded like a horse or like a mule. Not at all like a time machine. Yeah, that was the sound of a mule dying. Oh, that was us going back in time, like, like light speed, but backwards. Okay, here, here's another sound. Whoosh! Okay, that'll work. That sounds like the DeLorean go back in time. I'm with it. There we go. All right. Whoosh. So here's the thing. Uh, 1921, Oklahoma was still kind of the wild, wild west. It was Indian territory. I mean, it was. And this is the time when, in 1921, the state had only been a state for 14 years. Um, Also, uh, given the area, the KKK was... Real active. Now, when I mean active, I mean, you know, active. Um, and this, when Tulsa was founded, it was founded to be a mostly white city. Um, and I should specify that Oklahoma was very much Jim Crow law at this time. Uh, and Jim Crow was a dick. Uh, I think there's been few dicks in history as big as uh Jim Crow, and I don't mean like in size of girth, but in time, like in terms of meanness and cruelty and bad things. I also think you need to add length. Like, dude, we're not talking about an actor. <laughs> like, we were talking very much about like a guy who just. I said right. biggest, not <laughs> longest. Oh my god! Hey, just want to make this clear to our audience. This is not a phallic podcast today. Um, <laughs> well, it's about to become one. I, apparently, it is. Well, at this time. Uh, so what you had in that situation was you had white cities and you had black cities. So Tulsa was basically divided into two. There was the Tulsa proper, and then up to the north corner of Tulsa was what was called the Greenwood District. And this was happening all over the country, by the way. I mean, Jim Crow was in full enforcement at this time. So you always had these black neighborhoods. Um, but from what I researched, it seems like Greenwood was definitely the most uh, successful one in Oklahoma, and maybe the most successful one uh, in the entire country. The it had earned the nickname Black Wall Street. Uh, it was super successful. There was, um, let's see, there was uh, a whole bunch of stores and black-owned businesses. They had two schools. They had two theaters. 
There were 12 doctors working there. Uh, super successful for the time. Um, uh, part of the problem was, though, that there wasn't enough work in the city for all the city's residents. So you would have a lot of people that would go out into uh, Tulsa proper. Uh, one of those was a 19-year-old named Dick Rowland. Dick Rowland. Dick Rowland. So it's like Dick Rowland? Yeah. Oh, it's no. like Dick Rowland. Not another Dick reference. What? I'm just saying, like, look, it, it, there's going to be penises around here, right? Especially when I said that, I said that Dick before, I, for, I forgot this dude's fucking name, Dick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, yeah. Well, uh, anyway, Dick rolled himself up to work one day, and he was a shoe signer. And the place where he worked, they had an elevator operator who was a 17-year-old white girl named Sarah Page. So on the faithful day of May 13th, 1921, Dick goes to work and hops on the elevator like any other day. Him and Sarah are the only two people on the elevator. Elevator doors close. Elevator goes up. When the elevator doors open, Dick runs out of the elevator, and Sarah is inside screaming. And nobody knows what happened. And the reason nobody knows what happened is because Sarah didn't talk about it after that. At all. Never. Nope, she didn't say a damn thing. She didn't testify. She didn't want to go to court. She didn't give a police report. Nothing. But, unfortunately for Dick, this was 1921. So, of course, rumor gets out about it. Um... He's arrested that night and taken to a holding cell, which is on the top floor of the Tulsa courthouse. Now, have you read uh, To Kill a Mockingbird? Yeah. Okay, so you know how, um, and now I can't remember the character's trial, the character who's on trial. I can't remember his name either. But after his trial ends, he he supposedly tries to escape and get shot. So something like that is that's all based in reality, obviously. It's based on this? No. Oh. But uh I just thought, you know, try. Like maybe, you know. Yeah, I mean it's, based it's on- close. It's close because basically that same thing was happening here. So once word gets out that there's a, a black boy who is well, he's nineteen, so boy or man is tough to say. I'm not trying to same thing racist there. If I was reading the news, either they'd call him a man because he's over 18. Yeah, but, I guess. Yeah, but in my opinion, if you're boy. under 21, you're still a kid, so I call you a boy. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless of what race you are. Yeah, a, um, a but young anyway, man. So they find out there's a 19-year-old young man uh, who is in a holding cell, sale, holding cell, who is accused of doing something with a white girl. Nobody knows what, again, because Sarah Page never pressed any charges. But anyway, this KKK group, I'm not, I don't even call them KKK at this point because I'm not even sure if they were wearing the hoods or not. They might have just been a group of white dudes that rolled up to the courthouse. Now, at the same time that that's happening, uh, a group of people from the Greenwood District, um, they're hearing about this and they want to go down there and make sure that Dick Rowland is protected. So they arm themselves and they roll down to the courthouse as well. Uh-oh. And they kind of meet up with each other at about the same time. And so the Tulsa sheriff, he gets there and he's like, I, I think at this point, he said this more to try and, because the Tulsa sheriff's department was not, you know, great with their race relations. 
Is that an understatement? Probably. Uh, actually, yes. Were they involved at all with the KKK, do you believe? Uh, you have to be the KKK to be a hate group, right? Well, I mean, I know for a fact that they were, and we don't get to that. Oh, okay. So, what happens is, he sees a group of uh, armed white people, and he sees a group of armed black people, and of course he thinks that the black people are going to be the aggressors. So he goes up to them, puts on his sheriff charm, and tries to convince them that he's going to do everything in his power to protect Dick. He's not going to let this uh, white mob take him. I also do everything in my power to protect Dick. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't know what you mean. It's such a weird design biologically to just have that thing hanging out the front sometimes. Yeah, it's like, just don't get me wrong, I don't know where else I'd want it, but like, it's just, it can be, it can be a hassle sometimes. It can be a hassle and a hazard. Yes, it can. Double Anybody's ages. ever zipped their pants up too fast knows what I'm talking about. Oh. Ben Stiller knows all Fuck. too well. Oh my gosh. Yep, you're thinking about that now. That image, it's in your face, in your head. It is. Let's go, let's continue on, can we please? I'm not sure I can. I'm thinking about Ben Stiller's scrotum in the zipper. Um, Great actor. <laughs> Great scrotum. Underrated. <laughs> um, okay. So, uh, the Greenwood District group, they, they kind of realize that they are outnumbered and everything, and they know that the sheriff is not going to take their side. So they decide basically it's best for all of them if they retreat back home, which they do. But at that point, the damage had already been done, kind of. Oh, no. Because now the mob has turned its attention from the young man of the holding cell to... to the people that were yelling. All the people like. that were trying to defend him. Yeah. All right, so... The Greenwood District people, they roll back home. And then the uh, white, angry white people group. Um, it was an angry white people group. Angry white group. A-W-G. Dog. Yeah. Angry right. white people. So the AWG is white over. Uh, the AUG is um, trying to decide what to do. And they come up with a plan. So uh, the next morning, the or sorry, later on that night, the AUG rolls up to Greenwood and they start arresting every able-bodied or armed black man that they see. And I say arresting because going back to what I said before about the police officers or the sheriffs in the uh, in Tulsa at the time, um, they are deputizing people. So oh, random uh, angry white people are just getting deputized as police and said, you can do whatever you want. Well, that, and there's no like... Quality control at all. It's basically nope. just letting the... Well, kind of go back, you said it's kind of like the old West times, and it's been like, you know, it seems just like it was literally free reign of whatever you really wanted to do. So if you gave people a little bit of power, it's just kind of asking for trouble, I would imagine. You can give people an inch and they take a mile. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Right. And so they're arresting everybody. They're pulling people off the streets left and right. And so... What this ends up doing, and of course, during this time, um, there's also, uh, yeah, I mean, they're fighting back, so we're getting into, we're getting fist fights, we're getting, you know, shootings, things like that. Um, but come the next morning, basically, all of the uh, all the able-bodied men and all the armed men are gone. So now Greenwood is pretty much unprotected because you've got, well. I don't want to get sexist with this. That's not what I'm trying to do. But like in the mindset of the AUG, 
they have done their job because they have lifted unprotected. Because now you just have women, children, and, and elderly that are left behind. Jeez. Okay. And uh, let's see. Let's take a break here. Hi, guys. If you like this podcast and more, go to our website, which is runwildmedia.wixsite.com. Let me say that one more time for all you cool people out there. It is runwildmedia.wixsite.com. Thank you. Okay, so when I left off, the Og had just uh, completed their arresting of the quote-unquote protectors of Greenwood. So the next morning, the mob rolls back in, and they proceed to start torching the city. And I do mean torching. So let me pull up my numbers here. So, uh, and this is a quote I remember from one of the survivors. Uh, the quote was taken from an interview that he did in 1997. Um, he's since passed away. This was 1921, so it's been a while. Yeah. Um, he talked about how he was, he remembered seeing his dad get taken away the night before. And he remembered um, his mom, uh, like, taking him and his siblings outside to sleep in their backyard that night because she was afraid that like people would come to the house and try to burn the house down. And she was right. Uh, the next morning he said that he remembered seeing a group of people kick the door in and just take torches and just light the curtains on fire in each room and then leave. That's horrifying. They were just going door to door burning houses. So they basically tried to commit like borderline genocide. Honestly, it was like, it's, it's like Viking tactics. Yeah. They're sacking a city. That's what they were doing. Disgusting. So, uh, these are the estimates of what we have. Well, here, I'll go into this a little more. So, they're burning buildings. Um, they're attacking mostly houses and businesses. Because their goal is to hit them where it hurts the most, you know? Yeah, because you said this is one of the most successful right, black take communities. Where they live and take out right? where they make their money. Oh, man. So, that's what they're doing. And then... Um, of course, during this time, there are still civilians in, or I guess they're all civilians. I shouldn't say that. There's still citizens of Greenwood that are uh, fighting back. And of course, they're getting, you know, they're getting beat. They're getting shot. They're getting stabbed. They're getting run over. This, all kinds of things like that are happening. Um, there is unconfirmed, but I believe that it happened, that there was uh, a couple of old biplanes I guess not at the time they weren't old, but there were some biplanes that would fly over the city and drop um, turpentine, like homemade turpentine bombs no. on the buildings from above. They, they got people to do that. Well, and supposedly there was military trucks, like uh, from a, another interview from the same documentary I watched about this, um, which, by the way, I should have mentioned this earlier. Uh, there's a couple of them on YouTube. One of them is by the History Channel. Uh, the other one is by Vox. And they're both really good. Um, but there was reports of military trucks pulling up and like armored men getting out of these trucks. And they weren't there to protect. They were there to help. To attack innocent people. They were there to help the angry white group. Freaking hog. Frick them. I know. Freaking the hell, uh, dude. So when all was said and done with the attack on the city, 
an estimated, or sorry, over 1,200 buildings. Had been destroyed. Burned to the ground. That's the, like, that's gotta be the whole city. It pretty much was. And then over uh, the estimate of the dead is about 300. Jeez. Holy crap. That's about it. That's like, that's as many people have died in the Oklahoma City bombing. It's actually more. It's more, right? It was 154 or something. I believe it was 196. 196 in Oklahoma City. That's, in, that's, how do people not talk about this? Well, it's definitely a huge black eye. Nobody wants to. Nobody wants to remember the worst parts of our past. Yeah. Well, that's that's one of the worst nights in American history. It is. Period. When I first found out about this, I was shocked that I had never heard about it. Yeah, me too. So, here I'm oh. actually. There are. So it was 1921. So there's very few uh, photographs of it, but there are some. I'm going to pull these up and I'm going to show you just a couple of them. I think we and, can try to also maybe settle in in the, the description of the episode so those who are listening could attempt to see this as well because this is something okay. we're learning about. Easy. I just want you to describe that photo to the people listening. It's a wall of smoke. Oh, no. And then there's some writing on the photo, too. That's really racist. Um, it says, Little Africa on fire. Also race right. I, I guess we don't call Chinatown or Koreatown right racist, but well, I mean, Little Africa. Let's yeah, be real. these people. This is the town that they built. They built Greenwood. They didn't just come in there and inherit it or anything like that. They built Greenwood. So it's just. And then let's see. We got a few more photos that I want you to check out. Okay, here's another one. Um, I'll go ahead and read the caption on this one. Uh, what these so and also what these pictures I'm showing to easy are um, they're they're described in the Vox documentary as postcards. Like you would buy these, like these would be printed, and you would buy them uh, as like commemorative events. And they would be distributed throughout, like, KKK meetings and stuff like that. So this one um, has a caption on it says, Running the Negro out of Tulsa. And then this one you can kind of see. Uh, there's a lot more rubble. It looks like the no, looks like this goodness. is a little bit later on in the day. You can see some of the houses are already cleared down. That's terrible. I'm guessing no one was held accountable for it. Can I see him? Yeah. This is the one that I just showed him. Oh my gosh. That's a war photo. Right? That looks like something you'd see pulled off the front lines of... Well, yeah, like, it looks like something you'd see, like, from World War One. Yeah. It does. Or World like War Two. It, yeah. it does, except for it it's not. City, it's happening. It looks like a city just got bombed. Yeah. Well, city did just get bombed, but it's happening in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Let's see here. What the sad thing is for me, like, after seeing photos and stuff, is like, you would imagine that good people or like the U.S. government, you would hope would kind of get involved to stop it, but they were the ones also kind of, at least the Oklahoma City government was the ones that kind of came in to help out and, and destroy and what? Destroying it. Some, like, 
I bet these people paid taxes. I bet these people... No, they're citizens. Yeah, they're citizens of the United States. They're American citizens. Did nothing probably wrong. You know, they were just like me and you, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's making me think of... We were watching the Ken Burns Vietnam documentary today, today, and uh, one of the guys said that his generation was the last to believe that the government wouldn't lie to him. But I feel like black people have felt... Have they ever had that... Have they ever luxury? had that uh, luxury of being able to think that their government was doing what was best in their nature? Yeah, I, I wish I said they could, but it just like it seems like over and over again it hasn't. And this, is, like this is another example. Yeah. So this is one of the last pictures I want to show you. Um, this looks like this looks like Stalingrad in World War II to me. Yeah, that's very accurate. That's Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's insane. Oh my gosh. It looks like the scene of Game of Thrones after they just destroyed the the last city with oh the gosh. dragons. Yeah, it looks like King's Landing after yeah, Drogon like came after in, dude. It looks Drogon like they're just Daenerys. cleaning up. Oh my gosh, that is terrifying. Yeah. And like I said, uh, the estimates are 300 killed in this. Um, well, still, a, it's a fourth of the people that died 9-11, but these big people aren't remembered because we were doing it to our own people. Yeah, nobody. I mean, nobody wants to remember something that uh, a phrase that I've said before in talking about the Oklahoma City bombing and some of the other mass shootings we've had is that uh, domestic terrorism doesn't happen in the U.S. because we pretend it doesn't happen in the U.S. Yeah, the worst domestic terrorist attacks in the past twenty years outside of nine eleven have been perpetrated by perpetuated, perpetuated, um, perpetuated or done fact by u.s citizens oh, and it's something that i think we as a society have to be accountable for and how these people are made and enabled to commit acts of mass violence so well, let's see so moving forward um the survivors they did those who could left i mean obviously uh those who couldn't they were forced to stay on the outskirts in what became just 10 cities i mean they were just out there and i mean and you've seen the pictures in the box documentary. There's just, um, it's like sheets over wires. It's, I mean, calling it a tent is very generous. It's just, they were trying to make anything they could for shelter. Yeah, um, well, you'd lose all your capital if you had a business and it wasn't insured or the insurance company went bankrupt because so many people. I, I doubt there was even any insurance for it. Yeah. Business. Like it, what did it's insurance gone. claim even get filed? Like, especially if it's framed by an angry white. Person, yeah, especially with the person you bought the insurance claim is the person that's burning down your business. So here's another question I have. You might get to this in a sec. What about all those who were captured and arrested? Well, a good portion of them were eventually released. Um, they were given charges of like unlawful gun possession and things like that. Things like charges that had never actually been filed for anybody before. Remember, this is Oklahoma in the 20s need to hold people without any reason yeah so eventually they're just released you know it's like they're what are they going to do now you know we already burned their home down already killed their friends what are they going to do yeah um some of them were killed in prison i'm assuming it's tough to say there's not a ton of information about them um so what happened afterwards is uh 
Well, first of all, I want you guys to take a guess on what the reported casualty number was. So, can you say it was 300? Yep. So, reported casualties from what? From the race right. So, that's the estimated, but what was actually reported? I'm guessing... Six. I'm guessing, uh, like, less than ten. Well, you're both in the right ballpark. Two. Two? Two. There were white people... Yes, they were. ...accidentally died? Two white people that were killed in self-defense. Holy crap. That is disgusting. Those are the two reported fatalities from it. So you burned out a city, you murdered women, children, and old people, and the only people you report dying are the ones that accidentally killed themselves or were killed by people defending themselves. Mm-hmm. That's how it was. That's disgusting. And, uh, so what they did is they uh, – those were things get a little tricky. So they gather up the bodies and they just mass grave. Mass grave, unmarked grave, just dump them in, you know, cover the ground. Move on, forget about it. That's basically what happened up until the late 90s, early 2000s. So let's give it about, let's go ahead and just call it 80 years have gone by since the riots. Would you, yeah, I wouldn't even call it a riot. It's like a yeah, coordinated it a riot is not right. attack it's like, on a community. Yeah, let's, let's call mass, it the attack. Mass murder. Yeah, mass murder. It's a, it's a hate crime on a scale that, like, outside of the American Indians hasn't really been seen in the United States. Let's go ahead. We'll go ahead and call it the attack. So 80 years since the attack has happened, um, the Tulsa city, they decide that they, they need, we need to find out what happened uh, to these we need to find out what happened with these graves. We need to find out what happened with some of these people. And so they go around, they start doing, uh, they use um, a particular kind of like sonar, the like, or I guess radar that can find abnormalities in the ground. They do soil sampling and they determine uh, one location that has ironically actually become the largest graveyard in Tulsa largest real graveyard is also most likely where the majority of the bodies were buried. Wow. So and the mass so, grave happened to have a cemetery built on top of it. Yeah. And this creates a problem because, uh, excavating to find the, um, to see if this is potential gravesite, uh, would also mean, uh, having to exhume and move several people's, um, bodies. Oh, you mean several? This is like thousands of already bodies that are buried there. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a graveyard. So the area where they want to search, they'd have to remove. <clears throat> there was an exact number. Uh, I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but they would have to remove um, a good portion of graves to be able to find it. Um, some of the other areas they believe it are, there are now businesses built on top of it. Well, imagine they, they want to find this place because they want to make a memorial. The people. Right. And it's it's tough because right. right now the current mayor of Tulsa is he's pushing for it. He wants to do this, um, but he's just getting a lot of pushback from a good portion of the citizens right now. Like, I don't want to think about my grandpa doing that. Uh, I think that is a big part of it. I think some of them are just kind of like, I'd rather forget that this ever happened. I I get that, but it, and I, I'm you know like a big push of forgiveness and stuff, but sometimes like it's good to remember your mistakes and to remember the things that used to be so you can know like or like how to say this let me, let me say this in a better way so it's good to recognize that these things happen because it helps us give or get perspective 
and make the, the changes we need to make to, to ensure it never happens again in any way, shape, or form. Well, yeah, I mean, for a perfect example, the only way you can really get better is to recognize weakness and change it or improve on it. For example, when you're repairing a road that has potholes in it, there has to be potholes, there has to be cracks, there has to be damage on the road to get repaired. If we as a society really want to actually repair ourselves as a country, then the first thing we have to do is recognize what our countries we get. And this is a perfect example of that, which is our long history of, you know, racism. Yeah, for calling it how it is and making the steps necessary, you don't like to fill those potholes. So, Joe, that was awesome. Is there anything else in the story? Um, no, just uh, it's just unfortunate that this story has just been buried. Yeah, when I say it was awesome, I mean it was well-researched, and it's something that people really should know about. I agree. And I think we should dedicate this episode to the memory of all the people whose lives were lost that day. And, you know, if you feel hate in your heart, cut it out. Well, uh, cheers to Black Wall Street. Cheers to Black Wall Street. Rest in power. Cheers to Black Wall Street. Peace, everybody. Good night. Thank <laughs> you.